0: This episode of Leaning In with guest John Carter is comprised of two separate interviews as part needed to be re-recorded due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the reason behind the audio change. Thanks for listening. This is Terry Montesi, CEO of Trademark Property Company. Welcome to Trademark's inaugural podcast, Leaning In, where we'll look at the future of retail and mixed use and how we want to lean into it, even though many are leaning out. On today's episode, I speak to John Carter, founder and director at Parker 3D, about the digital displays he and his company have worked on for companies like DreamWorks, Sony, and Crayola, and all of the holiday displays they have done, and where he sees interactive digital displays going in the future, and how it will impact bricks-and-mortar retail. We also talk about how retailers and real estate developments can better integrate technology to attract shoppers in the future. Thanks for listening. John, I know uh, you have a background as uh, doing department store windows, I understand, originally, and display work, and then you're a sculptor, and artist, and founder now, owner of Parker 3D. Tell us about your background and how you got into doing what you're doing and what you've been doing the last few years.
1: Well, it's quite a, it's quite a trajectory. I actually started as a street artist uh, in New York City. And in the late 80s, we actually made steel graffiti. We bolted it to signposts. I was part of a group, a collective. And this is well before Banksy or any of that. And you know, we were on TV all the time and they scrambled our faces so nobody knew who we were. And they almost arrested us, but they didn't. And we basically had a real estate developer found out about us and took us into a space, which was basically a mall space, and said, what could you do with this space? And we said we could do a lot with this space. So we built an 18,000-square-foot art installation. So it was sort of the Meow Wolf before Meow Wolf. That ended, weirdly, with some contractual issues. There's still a little bit of, of it left there. But then after that, I uh, just randomly wound up taking the job and becoming vice president of the company that does all of the New York City Christmas windows. So I did the Lord & Taylor, the Saks, the Macy's. I did Shin Sege in Korea. I did Marshall Fields in Chicago for five years, pretty much all of them. And then, believe it or not, somebody approached us there. The shopping center business just keeps turning up in my life. So somebody approached us there and said, could you do what you do in the windows in shopping centers? And of course, I said yes, because that's what I've always done. And then uh, that led me to what I'm doing now. I left that company and joined uh, the Parker Companies 17 years ago and built a whole division called Parker 3D we have done work pretty much everywhere in the world since then. Uh, We do uh, animated light shows. We do branded holiday. We do non-branded holiday. We do selfie experiences. We do the uh, Bloomingdale's video windows on Lexington. So uh, it's sort of grown out of crazy art background into entertainment.
0: So tell us about some of the work that you've been doing since you started that division, some of your more interesting work you've been doing. And I know you've done work with people like DreamWorks, et cetera. So tell us about some of the work you've been doing, some of your interesting projects.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the, the branded holiday has been very exciting. We embarked on a, on a project with DreamWorks about five years ago, and we built dozens of these uh, houses that were covered with video. And, uh, you know, I think the, the special sauce was we covered the entire building with video, so it could be different every year and DreamWorks used it as a canvas to paint their magic on. And we basically created an eight-room experience, which we we put up all over the world. So that was a great way to help understand experiential. And I got to work directly with Jeffrey Katzenberg, which is kind of a thrill of a lifetime. So we played in the sandbox and we developed that thing together. Uh, and now we do a lot of work with Warner Brothers. But I would say Sixteen years ago, where we really founded what we our, our name was, uh, there was a guy, still a guy named Carson Williams, who decorated his house and lit it synchronized to the music of Trans Siberian Orchestra, and he became one of the first truly viral videos. You remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. So we knocked on his door. Actually, a colleague of mine knocked on his door and said, "Hey, could you do this in shopping centers?" And he said hell no. (laughs) And I said, perfect. You're a perfect fit. Let's go. So he's been working with us now for 16, 17 years. And he's basically the man behind the curtain. Uh, He's the Wizard of Oz. So he does all of our programming to this day. We've done about 60 light shows worldwide from Ramadan, you know, in Dubai
0: to, you know, everywhere. You mean like including including what you did for us at Market Street Woodlands?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good
0: one. Yes, I think a lot of, a lot of people would know that at that, that a lot of large shopping places, malls and outdoor centers, these are the guys that have put together the tree and the tree lights that, that dance with music. Um, yeah, and we did Highland for you and Waters Creek too. So, John, after living through the last few months of the COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine, the way people think about retail and the way they're using e-commerce and using bricks and mortar has changed dramatically in a lot of ways we don't even realize yet. Where do you see brick and mortar retail places going from here? Uh, how are you and your firm reacting to that? And how do you think that's all going to be influenced by COVID-19 for at least the next few years?
1: Yeah, because who could tell beyond that that's at this exactly. point? Exactly. I think it's really interesting. I think a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, I think people are used to doing pickups now. I have to say I never went to Home Depot and had them bring me something curbside before, but now that I've done it, I don't want to go in that store and walk around. If I know what I want, bring it to my car, I'm happy with that. So I think that's going to happen. I'm very interested in whether Amazon gets into JCPenney and what happens in that space. I had thought for 10 years that Amazon should have bought or partnered with Sears and used their retail locations as fulfillment centers. And I think that kind of thing will really change retail because if that fresh energy of the immediate curbside pickup can happen in a mall, and I think people are natural multitaskers, they will do other things when they're at that mall. So I think that's interesting. I think the other thing that's going to happen in the next six months or so, I think there's pent-up demand. I think for the first time in 50 years, it's going to be a novelty to go to a shopping mall. So I think those two things are going to happen in various time limits.
0: Okay. So in the post-COVID world, how do you see interactive digital displays and a lot of the things you do impacting brick and mortar retail and mixed-use places in which they exist?
1: Well, one of the things that I think has happened is people who were not that comfortable with digital shopping have been forced to become comfortable with digital shopping. And so now I think the whole pickup process that I just talked about is hardwired into people's minds. It's a proven fact that people don't just watch TV. They're also online at the same time, the multi-channel approach. So I think shopping is going to be a hybrid of digital and in-person. And I think as people come to do a pickup, I think the entertainment value, I think the interactivity of digital is what's going to keep them there a little bit longer.
0: So you are, have gotten pretty hardcore into the R&D around experiential retail and using some spaces in malls and retail centers as uh, traffic generating entertainment venues. How do you see those changing because there was all kinds of experimentation and r d being done pre COVID and uh, obviously a lot of that's going to change how do you see the pandemic causing those things to change how will you and others react to it
1: well i think they're going to become more important than ever and i think in the short term they will have to change their design a little bit
0: yeah tell us about
1: that well i'll tell you what nobody's going to have a ball pit you know, I had the uh, Museum of Ice Cream sent me a questionnaire and said, did you know that our, uh, you know, our sprinkles are bio this that treated? And would you feel comfortable jumping back in again? And I said, no way. I don't think anybody's going to feel comfortable with that kind of thing. But I still think people more than ever want to show that they've been somewhere cool. They want to have a brag tag. They want to have a photo of themselves there. It's even going to be a novelty to have a photo of yourself with a mask on for a while to capture this moment and remember it. You know, we've redesigned the experience that we're going to open in Boston so that it's much more of a parade kind of thing. You know, you will not be grouping with people you don't know. Uh, You'll have a certain amount of time per room. The rooms will be cleaned between visits and things like that. But and the other thing that I think is important about these is that people can't take vacations right now as safely. So, we're going to provide what's kind of like a, a drive to vacation experience. And if the shopping center can be associated with that, that's a very good thing.
0: Yeah. So, you guys are digital designers and hands on artists. How do you, what role do you see these playing going forward in creating experience in, in retail places, mixed use places, public spaces, and, and even in leased spaces?
1: I think it's a fascinating dichotomy that we're becoming more and more technology, which is touchless. And yet the craving for actual touch and uniqueness of space also is growing at the same time. 25 or 30 years ago, I built the precursor of the Chelsea market uh, with the same developer in Queens. It was an 18,000 square foot sculpture installation. Everything was made of found objects and it had a richness and a depth to it and if you've been to the Ponce Marketplace in, yeah. in Atlanta or the Chelsea Market in New York City, you understand what I'm talking about. It's that kind of texture and uniqueness, uh, sense of place, I think becomes really, really important. People don't want to go to the same place every time. They don't want to go to the store that looks exactly the same. Look at Urban Outfitters. None of those two stores look look alike. And I think uh, the younger shopper that matters to And then if you layer onto that unique digital experiences, especially with augmented reality and those kinds of spaces, that becomes something that you can't get at home, you know, and just the brag of having a photo in this space that's very unique and having interacted in a digital kind of way that's different than just ordering something and picking it up. People are going to crave that experience. So it's very interesting because in one direction it goes forward And in the other direction, it goes backwards. It's like the Flintstones and the Jetsons at the same time.
0: Yeah, interesting analogy. So thinking about technology going forward, and I know you all have done a lot of holiday displays. Think about, you know, Santa experiences going forward, etc. So how do you see places and retailers, retail places, mixed-use places, using technology in the future, tech-centric holiday displays to drive business, to stand out? H- how are you rethinking things like holiday experiences and Santa experiences in the post-COVID world?
1: Well, first of all, as far as Santa experiences go, um, we have developed a line called Safer Santa, which you, you, can, you can get some information about that at Safersanta.com. And what we've decided is regardless of what happens between now and Christmas, that experience is probably going to need to change a little bit. And we're trying to use it as an advantage, as a springboard to recording this thing in a different kind of a way. So is there a way to take Santa and keep him slightly separate, but almost intentionally separate from from the child, and to be able to record the conversation and the interaction that happens between those two in a way that really has never been possible before? And then to have that evolve over a two- or three-year period so it becomes a little bit more high-touch as time goes on. So in terms of Santa, I think the technology is going to save that interaction, which is very exciting and interesting. I think people will be willing to try something different because they have to. And I think a lot of it's going to catch on. So so that that's one thing. The other thing that I think is going to make a resurgence are any kind of a spectacle or show or event that you can experience together as a crowd, but at a distance. So, you know, we've been known for our light shows for a long time, for 15, 16, 17 years. And, you know, you can get 10,000 people together to see something like that, and they can be six feet apart. And I think there's going to be a real craving for that kind of experience. Um, that kind of technology. I mean, you're seeing people are putting up drive-ins in their, in their Walmart parking lots and things like that. So that's another way to take an old experience, add some new tech to it, and and bring people out. I think any way that you can use technology to bring people out and bring them together, but not too close together, is going to be really important right now.
0: Yeah, great point. So how do you see the biggest opportunities going forward for retail places, mixed use places and retailers to uh, use technology integration to drive traffic, attract shoppers, attract visitors.
1: Well, I think what I just talked about is interesting. The idea that you can you know, broadcast a movie in your parking lot, but I think it's going to go further with augmented reality. I think we've just seen the beginning of what you can do with augmented reality. And So, so help, uh, you help know,
0: people, under, those that don't really understand that, help, help us understand what is augmented reality. Why might that be something interesting uh, to experience? Okay,
1: so for instance, right now in our holiday decor programs, we almost always have an augmented reality app that's part of it now. So while you're waiting in line, you snap a QR code and you download an app and it allows you to experience the display in a whole new way. So, for instance, with a Warner Brothers display for a Christmas story, there's an augmented table with an augmented turkey, and the augmented boppa sounds come and run away with it right in front of you. Looks like it's in three dimensions, but it only happens on your phone. Or you can get a funny picture of yourself in that humiliating bunny costume from the movie with the augmented reality. That happens to put it, it on. Exactly. So I think that's how it starts. But I think what we're going to see next is... More of an augmented reality piece for shopping. Like it'll give you the opportunity to have a more minimalist presentation of retail. You don't have to put price tags on anything because you can just hold your phone up and you'll see the price hovering. And if you want a little bit more information about it, you can move the phone over to the left and there's more information over there. You know, and eventually, I think in the next few years, we're going to see some sort of glasses that work. It's been tried a couple of times and it hasn't worked. I think eventually that's going to happen. I understand that uh, Apple is actually working on something. So the idea that you could go into a store and what you see isn't everything you see, you're you know we all shop for things online and we do all this research and we price compare and we do all this stuff online and we're used to it now. You know we watch TV but we're also on our phone. I think that's going to bring itself into the shopping experience. The other thing that I see is more video screens in, in the public spaces or in the shopping spaces. As an example, we do the Bloomingdale's windows in New York City. And they sell their windows to the big brands and they change them every month. So you'll see, uh, you know, Fendi has a window, Dior has a window. And so it's a, it's a money generator for them, but it's a way for the customer to see things and in some cases be interactive with these video screens, which I think, you know, people are now used to seeing a lot of things on video screens and your presentation of your product can be so much slicker rather than sticking a mannequin in there with a terrible hairdo with the dress on, you can have an amazing shot with Kate Moss in it or whoever the model is. Um, And so I think video will, will, will work its way into retail a little bit more in both entertainment and in functional purchasing capacities.
0: Got it. Very interesting. So I know you pay a lot of attention to the retail business. It's where you do a lot of your work. So where do you see the future of retail places uh, and retail? And where, where does it go from here? And how does art and technology, as you've you know, seen it applied elsewhere, what role does that play going forward?
1: Well, I think Disney's taught us that people open their, their pocketbook when they're having a great time. And so I think that's going to have to be a piece of this. I, I also think in a subtle way, AI, artificial intelligence, will work its way into this. Uh, I saw a speaker who designs restaurants. Uh, they're called Livit Design. And it's fascinating the fact that they could follow your phone and that you could place your order before you got to the restaurant and your order was ready within five minutes of sitting down and your bill was paid and all of this augmented uh, this, I'm sorry, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, the same way it is in my Tesla car, you know, my car, although not during this, the, the COVID thing, but back when things were normal, it knew what time I tended to get in my car in the morning. It cooled it down or it heated it up. It displayed my emails. I think the shopping experience is going to absorb some of that kind of technology and make it more fun and more productive and quicker in some cases you know going back to the whole pickup you might go to a space you know that has a more of a sort of disneyfied feel that is a great place that's fun to go to and you might hit more stores because you can hit them quickly because you could just hit place the order online go pick it up and you might actually be able to do more damage in a shorter period of time which i think will be interesting and fun
0: very interesting so john what else Well, you asked me what the future of retail is.
1: I really think we may not even know what that looks like. But I think what we need is similar to the Hamilton effect on Broadway. When when Hamilton got to Broadway, nobody had seen anything like that. It was sort of like the Beatles came to Broadway and it opened up a whole new audience. You know, we know that the people who like to shop have always liked to shop and they will continue to always like to shop. But what about those other people who don't really care for shopping? What's going to bring them in? And I think it's a different kind of an experience. The same way people who always liked Broadway will always like Broadway. The Broadway geeks, they're going to see everything. But people who never would set foot in a Broadway theater went to see Hamilton. Um, And now they're watching it on TV. So I think something along those lines, a transformation of the shopping experience into a full rounded entertainment experience uh a la disney or hamilton is where it needs to go
0: shopping places becoming entertaining places
1: i think so yeah with with unique sense of originality you know when you go to it there's only one like it i really think the days of of going to the store that looks exactly the same all over the country are over I don't think people want that experience. They can order it online if that's what it's going to be. There's still, there's still a need to try things on, but I think the Urban Outfitters of the world, you know, I have 17 and 12-year-old kids. They like to go to that store. Each one is a little bit different. You know, there's the found object uh, use in there and the uniqueness, and they'll take a selfie in there because it's a little bit different. And I think that's going to matter going
0: forward. Beautiful. So, John, are you working on any interesting projects that you'd like to share with us In um, any learning we might can do from how you're investing your time and resources?
1: I'm working on a couple of projects right now that I think are really interesting and different. I think there's a certain uh, number of retail folks that are thinking this is an opportunity to do things differently. I have a project going in Nashville right now where we have taken the construction barricade and completely turned it on its head you know we're going to see a lot of construction barricades right now but this particular one has built-in digital video it has augmented reality it has gamification of the barricade Uh, it becomes a sense of place even though it's still just a construction barricade so i think that's fascinating is that
0: indoor or outdoor it's outdoor okay
1: So regardless of the fact that it's a barricade, I think some of the things that we're doing in that space where we are having the barricade come to life when you hold up your phone, having a gamification of it, having a reward, uh, having a coupon or a special access or something like that as part of it, I think that's a clue of what we can do in the retail environment. Um, So I think that's interesting. I also have another holiday program in the Atlanta area that's going to be very interesting that incorporates street art elements and really more of a hands-on, more interesting look than what you're accustomed to with holiday. I think people are rethinking holiday. And if there was ever an opportunity to try something new, it's now. And so we're, we're seeing some of that.
0: Great. Anything you'd like to ask me?
1: first of all, how has this registered for you? I'm, I'm sure you never saw this coming, right? I mean, we talked in February yeah. or late January, you didn't see it coming. What's been the effect in the physical spaces and in your mind from this?
0: So how how I've processed the pandemic and, and how it's affected my psyche and my business, just uh, scatter shoot for a second. So Certainly did not see it coming. Um, you I know, wish I was one of the savants that could have uh, seen this coming and seen the, the uh, crash and fall of 08 coming, but I'm, I'm not one of those, unfortunately. So <laughs> how uh, I've processed through it is, number one, You know, we've been able to work through it probably better than I would have expected. At first was really sort of fearful as to how, how this would impact our ability to do our job. And to be productive, and we've we've done much better at that than I would have initially expected. Regarding our uh, our mixed-use places and retail places, clearly there's been a uh, major difference in the type of retail place and how it has reacted. We have some places that you know only the, the worst they did was was lose forty percent of their revenue in April and May. And we have some that lost ninety percent of their revenue. We have some places that lost you know, 80% of their traffic, and then we have some that only lost 30% of their traffic, and it depends on where they outdoor. Outdoor and daily needs-centric places fared better. Fashion-centric uh, and indoor places fared worse. There's been less closures in our places than I would have thought as I processed through this. However, I do think there's a good chance that some people... They come up with a structure to justify opening, which includes rent deferrals, et cetera and they sort of as many business people are hopeful um uh, but then maybe over the next nine months they see that they're not doing enough revenues to um be able to pay pay that rent back and to stay in business so uh, but anyway that's been that's been one uh, pleasant surprise that not as many folks have closed yet. I do think that the COVID-19 has been a real accelerant on hurting more the more generic fashion providers, and that if there was a small uh, fire underway pre-COVID, it is now a raging fire. And so I do think that we'll have a lot of department stores close over the next two or three years, and there's going to be a lot of uh, other retailers that follow. And so there's going to be a lot of malls that are, really 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 tr- seriously troubled and there's going to be a lot of space on the market and that we will finally start getting some real demolition uh, of retail spaces and then we that the supply demand um, the oversupply in this country may start to be chipped away at and then I do see a future three four five years from now where the surviving, Places—they're not just retail places, but the surviving, you know, multi-purpose places that where the retailers uh, endorse being, and the uh, owners have evolved and met the market and created great, safe experiences at their places. That those will be really valuable, but that there'll be—it's going to be tough sledding the next two or three years until we get there. That's some of, some of how. I've seen things and, and how we've reacted to this, but I think it's so uncertain. You know, never has there been anything that could outfox everybody like a virus. <laughs> yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what political party, it doesn't matter how obnoxious you are, it doesn't matter just how smart you are or how liberal you are or how conservative you are. This virus is smarter than you. And, you know, we've got these enormous enormous issues that we have to balance. We have to balance public health and people that will die if we don't stay completely barricaded in our house with the devastation that could come from the economy being shut down for too long. And all of the health issues, financial issues, you know, relationship issues, mental health issues— families losing their family business and people not being able to go to college. And I mean, all this, all all the things that would come out of that. So what a, what a complex, you know, awful set of uh, issues that our policymakers have had to deal with, you know, and there's just no, there's, there's no winning. There's no, it doesn't matter who you are. You can't beat it. You can't win. And it's just been a real interesting thing to watch. And so for a business person, Particularly, that's in you know the retail business, which has hit uh, almost as hard as any other industry. The airlines and hotels, even worse. But to to have to work through that and build partnerships, you know, with from equity partners to banks to retailers to restaurateurs, and it's been a very interesting interesting challenge. Probably gotten through it better again than I thought we would have, but. It's still so early. This is, you know, what inning are we in? Who the hell yeah, right. Who yeah, the hell knows? E-
1: every two weeks, they change the length of the game.
0: Yeah, and, and so we just, so I think this is early. I think we're getting a long slog. It feels like we've got at least, you know, eight to 12 months to go that's just going to be up and down, and hot spots, people wearing masks, people scared, and so, man, it's just very uncertain. We will get through it. We, you know, our economy did have a very strong foundation, thankfully, but we're not out of it yet. If we had to truly shut down again, I do think that it would it would result in economic devastation that would potentially cause more health issues and a more com- complex set of long term health issues than even you know, just letting the virus run rampant would. It's a very interesting thing to live through and to navigate a business through. Um, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what I think is interesting is in retrospect, I'm not sure that any, anything needed to shut down. I think people just needed to be smart and wear masks.
0: Oh, and there's no question. No question that, you know, you can be so critical. We, I hear people all the time. We just opened up too soon. And here's my, my answer is, it wouldn't have mattered when we opened up if if a ton of young people, right after we open up, if they all go gather in huge groups and they all go to parties and they all go to bars, it wouldn't have mattered. All that would have meant was too much or, or more devastation to the economy and to people's businesses. Mm-hmm. And without responsible behavior, you can't ever open up unless you assume right. responsible behavior. And, and so, I mean, we, we really need to crank down on, you know, the large gatherings and this irresponsible, selfish behavior that people f- equate with freedom. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it, we're, we're not free. I wish you were good enough to design a technology that could uh, make it go away.
1: <laughs> that one's above my pay grades also.
0: Hey, one more question. So I know you were uh, working on opening a new entertainment venue. Tell us the status of that and what changes you've had to make during COVID and you know, when you think it'll open. It's, it's a, give us an update.
1: Well, it's called Go Pixel Yourself, and it's going to open in Cambridgeside, Galleria. Uh, they just go by Cambridge Side now, apologies. Uh, and that's uh, right over the river from Boston. It's right there yeah, in New England. Who the middle owns that? New England Development. Okay. We've got the space built out completely. Of course, they finished construction the day before the world shut down. So so that's all ready to go. Uh, The displays are mostly built and sitting in containers ready to go. Uh, We're redesigning it a little bit. Um, We had originally intended it to be a little bit more like theater, where people who didn't know each other would meet each other in these spaces, and and improv actors would kind of bring them together in a way. Uh, You know, the first room is a 747. You're actually in a 747 and the whole idea of sitting people next to each other with a flight attendant uh, joking with them has had to change. Some of the rooms have had to change. We actually had a ball pit also, which we had to change. So we're now pitching it as the vacation that you can take safely. It's the only airplane you can go in safely. It's uh, And you can get pictures from around the world because of our video screens that are in every room. So you and your family can go. and. Get on an airplane and go to Beijing and Paris and Tokyo and have postcards from around the world because you've been able to have that experience. So we we've changed it to sort of acknowledge what's happened. We actually have a, a TV studio in one of the rooms, which we have rebranded as fake news. So you, you you may be tired of other people's fake news, you can just make up your own. Right. And 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 broadcast it. So you know, we've tried to look at what's happening and not stick our head in the sand and change it so that it's attractive and interesting and of the moment which was always what we thought about this is that we've got video screens and content in every room we can change them on a dime and we're having to change it before we open it which yeah. is fine
0: are you still looking for new sites for that or are you going to wait get that one open watch covid before you start looking for any new opportunities
1: i think we're open to any opportunity right now uh you know every every place in the country is a little different and I think we're absolutely open to to looking at different opportunities I think we're gonna I think we'll probably open in a couple of months but like I said it's a new world every two weeks so we'll see
0: well John I appreciate your time and I really appreciate you and hope you and your family are getting through this crazy time well same
1: here Terry it's been fun really great insights on your behalf I appreciate that
0: thanks John take care yourself okay you too bye bye To learn more about what Trademark Property is doing in the retail and mixed-use business, check out our website, TrademarkProperty.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our episodes of Leaning In, make sure you hit the subscribe button and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks for listening.